everyone. Welcome to those in the sanctuary and joining us online today. It's good to be able to study the Word of God all together. And today is the last Sunday of our New Year, New You, Becoming Disciples of Jesus series. And so just to recap where we've been so far, we learned on our Baptism Sunday that being disciples of Jesus starts with knowing and surrendering to the fact that only Jesus' saving work, not ours, is the foundation of our relationship with God. And then when we looked at Jesus' temptation, we learned how letting the Word of God into our hearts helps us to navigate the struggles and the temptations of life. And then when we looked at the stories of Jesus' disciples, we learned that when Jesus calls us to follow him, he's going to use our lives in unique ways to show his character and his love to the world. So since so far, what we've been doing mostly is by looking at Jesus' example to see how to live as disciples— Today, instead, we're going to move into unpacking what Jesus said about living into this calling, starting with four little verses. In Matthew 5, 13 through 16, Jesus calls us as his followers to be salt and light. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus often taught that way. He taught spiritual truths through concrete, earthly examples. And these are some pretty incredibly rich symbols. So what does it mean for us to live today as salt and light? Well, in Jesus' day, a bag of salt was considered as precious as a person's life. So for Jesus to say that we are the salt of the earth, he's really saying something. He's saying you are incredibly important for the world. You are extremely valuable and you're needed in the world. In the climate of that part of the world, in that day and age, salt was vital, indispensable for preserving food. It was vital to nourishing ongoing life in that region. And in our current climate, in our day and age, Jesus also calls us to be a vital part of preserving what this world needs for ongoing life. Jesus is telling us that we're called to be salt and to stay salty. Why? Well, whenever you're unpacking an analogy, the first thing you need to do is think about what that particular thing does, how it impacts you and the world. So what are some things that salt does? Well, salt brings out the flavor. Salt preserves things, keeps them from spoiling. A little bit of salt goes a long way, but it has to be dispersed to be effective. And salt doesn't help anything if it loses its saltiness. It needs to remain pure in order to serve its purpose. Salt makes people thirsty. And here in Minnesota in the winter, it keeps us from falling down, right? (laughs) It helps us keep a grip on the ground. Now, I'm guessing Jesus wasn't intending on that particular analogy, (laughs) but it works for us, right? So as we look at each of those uses for salt, what do you think Jesus is teaching us here? How are we salt for the world? Well, let's start with salt bringing out the flavor. Salt brings out flavor. So when it comes to flavor, the purpose of adding salt to something is not to make it taste salty. 
but to enhance the original flavor of the food. You know you have the right amount of salt, not when people say, whoa, that's salty, but when they say, whoa, that's good, right? And if the salt is missing from a recipe, you know that too, right? Have any of you ever made instant oatmeal and forgotten to add the salts? It's so gross. <laughs> I did that once, and I kept thinking, what is wrong with this? I kept adding sugar and sugar and brown sugar, and it got sweeter and sweeter, but it was still awful. But then I added one little pinch of salt, and suddenly it tasted like oatmeal again. All the sugar in the world couldn't do what that one pinch of salt did. Flavor-wise, salt is doing its job when it calls attention to the goodness of the food, not to itself, right? And in the same way, as Christians, we ought to add flavor to life, goodness to life, wherever we are, not by calling attention to ourselves, but by helping people taste and see that the Lord is good wherever we find ourselves. And when we have the joy of the Lord, when we ourselves taste the flavor of his love and joy and peace and hope in our lives, we can't help but bring out those flavors of his presence and his grace wherever we are. Salt amplifies the original flavors so they can be noticed by others. Paul in Philippians 4 instructs how Jesus' people are to do this. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he goes on to say, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Can you imagine what this world would be like if more people amplified the flavor of the goodness of God at work in the world around us? So how about you? How are you as salt? Does your presence help people notice the flavor of Christ? in your family, in your friendships, in your workplace, in your school. The truth is you can only help people taste and see the goodness of the Lord when you do. And if that isn't happening in your life, I'm going to bet it means it's time for you to turn your attention back to Jesus yourself, to spend some time with him, asking for him to show you his goodness for you to show you where he's at work in your life and in your heart, to take the time to be spiritually filled, to taste and to see that the Lord is good because it's so important not only for you but also for the world around you. Salt brings out the flavor. The second use of salt, salt preserves things. It prevents them from spoiling. Now, especially in a culture without refrigeration, this is probably the use the disciples would have thought of first. Because the truth is, everything on earth is on its way to breaking down, right? Everything left to the elements will eventually spoil, from milk to steel to solid rock. Everything is susceptible to decay. And the hearts of people are no exception to that rule. But different things break us down, right? Things like greed or indifference or lust or dishonesty. They're like compost starters for society. And that's where we as God's people are called to serve the world as salt, to hold back the decay by holding fast to the things that don't change, to the love, the character, the teachings of the way of the Lord. 
And when we look at the world and how many things around us are breaking down, we can think, good grief, what can I do about that? But the thing about salt is, a little bit goes a long way. Just a little pinch of salt can make all the difference. And when we listen to the Holy Spirit, the same can be true in our lives too. Our choosing to live lives of honesty and integrity and humility in the world, reflecting our own need for Jesus' grace and giving that grace to others will make a difference. Little salt goes a long way. But in order to be effective, salt has to be dispersed. If all the salt in the world stays together in clumps, sure, it'll stay salty, but it won't do what it's meant to do for the good of the world. For us to be the salt of the world, we have to be touching the world. We need to be in and among those who are without salt for our lives to bring out the good. Salt in baked goods is absolutely wonderful until you bite into a muffin and hit a clump of salt. Has anyone ever done that? Yuck. It's the worst. For salt to do what it's meant to do, distribution is the key because too much concentration makes it unpalatable to the world. Now, you might have noticed Jesus never went for the spiritual power play moves to try to force people to his own way. And whenever people suggested that tactic in the Bible, and they did quite often, Jesus immediately walked away from that. Because our call is to be in the world and not of it, but certainly in love, not against it. It was God's love for the world that compelled him to send his son into it among us. And as Jesus took the world's abuse for that, so will we. But our tactic to bring change is always to model Jesus, to look like Jesus in how we engage the world. Servant love, seasoned throughout daily life. No salt bombs. (laughs) But that said, we also need to remember salt can lose its saltiness. It needs to remain pure in order to serve the greater good. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So how does salt lose its saltiness? How can something stop being what it is? Does salt stop being salt? No, it doesn't. But its saltiness is lost when it becomes contaminated by too many other things. When contaminants enter in, it dilutes the effectiveness until eventually it no longer functions as salt. That salt is still in there somewhere, but you would never know it. So Jesus is lifting up two possible scenarios. Either you are salt for the world, or the world will contaminate your saltiness until it no longer serves a helpful purpose for the good of the world. And what that means is, for your faith in Jesus to be a blessing to the world, it has to be recognizable as faith in Jesus. Your faith has to stand out as faith in order to make a difference. Dilute it too much and it becomes no earthly good. You are to be set apart to be an example to the world of a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of king, living by a different kind of authority. So if there's nothing different about us as followers of Jesus, we won't be able to give the world what it actually needs. And if that's where you are today, if you can't really see how your daily life is different because of Jesus, again, it's time to go back to the word 
time to go back to some time in prayer to ask the Holy Spirit, what are those things that have glommed on to your faith that don't actually belong there? To ask the Lord to show you what needs to be purified in your heart, in your mind, in your life. What needs chiseling out to help you to find your center again of who you are called to be in Him. Because this world needs salt to be salt. And this world needs us not to bog down with side issues, but to point others to the clear source. Which brings me to the last function of salt, that salt makes people thirsty, which anybody knows who's eaten too many potato chips, right? So to that point, I want you to imagine right now, wherever you're sitting, that you have just eaten something really salty. I want you to imagine that taste in your mouth. Is your mouth watering? Our body's immediate reaction to salt is that we thirst for water, right? Which, other than air, is the thing that you need the most. You are made up of mostly water. So I think it's really fitting in all of his I am statements, Jesus never says that he is salt. He says we are. (laughs) Jesus says he is living water. And our lives as disciples of Jesus are not to be what people need, but to help point them to who they need to help them recognize what we are all thirsty for, Jesus' presence, the living water that never runs dry. If you go over three days without water, your life is ending. And without Jesus' saving power, we are all in the process of dying. People get dehydrated all the time when they forget to drink. And you sometimes wonder, how does that happen? But somehow the natural desire for water gets masked or replaced with things that don't actually give life. So how can we be like spiritual potato chips and help people discover what they're thirsty for is Jesus and the life that he gives? You see, salt is an important thing, but it's not flashy. It's in all kinds of common things every single day. And that's where our Christian witness is found too, in the everyday flavor and preservation of our lives lived in the world, but lived on the promises that keep the solid rock under our feet. Be salt, Jesus says, and light. But light, this analogy is a little different than the salt because Jesus both said that he is the light of the world and that we are. So how can we both be the light of the world? Well, it's kind of like the difference between the sun and a lamp. If the sun didn't exist to shine on the world and to bring heat and light to the world, you and your little lamp wouldn't exist, right? But when you light that lamp in the darkness, it reminds people of the daylight, right? And that's what our light does. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So for most of us, light is what makes it possible for us to see what's in front of us. But we often don't notice the light itself, right? We just notice what we see because the light is on. But when a light is on, people can also see that it's on. Our faith doesn't have to be conspicuous or in your face, but it should be evident, not hidden. It's just lived. And I think that's the most effective kind of witness in a world that likes to fight as much as ours does. (laughs) 
Some of you work in places or go to school in places that want to limit what you can say or do when it comes to living your life as a Christian. So for some of you, it can be really hard to do what the Bible tells us to do, to honor the laws of the land, to respect the authority around you, and still live your witness. But guess what? That's been a struggle since the very earliest days of Christianity. And that's why the Apostle Paul talked about living the fruits of the Spirit. Because people can argue with you against a creed or against a set of beliefs, but they can't argue against the witness of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, patience, and self-control. Paul says, in a world that's full of restrictive laws, against such things, there is no law. When you live out the light that Jesus puts in your heart, when people see your good works that come from a heart of faith, Even if words can't be said about it in that moment, that light still shines, and God will use it. So don't put it in a bushel. Live who you are. But again, as with our conversation with salt, to be the light of the world, you first have to let the light of the world in to you. You see, we're kind of like those solar lights that people set up in their yard. If they don't absorb the sun during the day, they're not going to shine at night. And that's true of us, too. We can't shine what we haven't let fill us. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying, Faith that shines like light into the world has to start by letting in his light into you. And that's why we gather here every week. And that's why we have growth groups and serving groups. It's why we encourage you to read the word at home and to pray. Because we need regular recharging if our lives are going to shine. And this world desperately needs the light. So if there's darkness in you today, let in the light. Let Jesus in. He's here for you. His Holy Spirit is ready and willing to bring you into his love and into his hope. Because in his love for you, our God, our Heavenly Father, didn't leave you in the dark alone. He broke into the darkness of this world in the light of his son, Jesus. And Jesus died for you, and he rose for you to be the light for you. To light your path through this world in his love into the next, where he alone is the light of heaven. So let his light fill you as together we gather and grow and serve as a family of faith. As we're equipped to be distributed into the world as salt and light for Jesus. So to end today, I'd like to show you a video uh, of who we are here at CGLC and how together we're being equipped to Jesus' call to be salt and light for the world. Please turn your attention to the screen.